Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Baby, it's time to ride the funk train. This is Funkmaster V with Wrestling with Ghosts and a SideParanormal.com. Babies, you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 3, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We're going to go ahead and talk about movies, TV, and read some fiction. If you want to get hold of the show, you can go ahead and go to Facebook.com, Aaron's Horror Show, or you can go to Twitter.com, Aaron Horror Show, or you can go ahead and send us an email at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. Uh, you could also go ahead and support the show by going to Patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. Alright, we finished Orion. Hope you like that. Uh, so yeah, I asked you to ask, you know, I asked you all to tell me what you wanted next. Uh, and it sounded like a lot of you wanted to just hear some hardcore science fiction. So uh, this is a series I've been writing for a while, and... Uh, I actually am not done with it, <laughs> so this is a work in progress. Uh, despite it being a work in progress, you could actually read all eight parts on uh, Kindle right now. So I have eight short stories out that are all stories that are part of the series. Uh, they're under the Touristicu Chronicles, and I just published part eight actually not too long ago. Uh, but yeah, this has been my, my sort of biggest ongoing project and it's actually one I I really it's one of the ones I, I kind of like the most uh, of all the stories I've written I there, there's something I really like about it but it, it's also because it's a little bit Star Wars and it's a little bit Star Trek so you know there's some Star Wars in there there's some Star Trek in there uh, you'll kind of see what I'm <laughs> talking about uh, once I get into it but you know being that I'm a huge fan of science fiction uh, I've always wanted to write an epic space opera science fiction that is just some, some uh, you know, sort of epic, large scope, uh, <laughs> all with space kind of storytelling that, that, you know, Star Trek and Star Wars is really good at. Uh, so this is my sort of addition to that. And people seem to dig it. So this, uh, this series is actually... Uh, one that I don't really advertise that much because it's not done yet. Uh, I just, you know, put it out there and, and I always seem to do fairly well on it. So you guys are kind of, you know, going to be one of the 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 first ones to <laughs> kind of hear this, uh, even though it's been out for a while now. Uh, but, you know, I, I once again, I'm not really actively advertising it. So 
it's sort of my one that comes in under the radar when it comes to uh, the stuff that I write. Uh, but yeah, when, once I finish it in its entirety, I'll, I'll probably do a lot of advertising then. You know, I'm, I'm as a poor, struggling author, uh, I only have a very, very limited advertising budget. And uh, because of that, I got to be super, super choosy. And so I usually go with stuff that's done. You know, it's complete. It's ready. All right, here you go, world. You know, <laughs> that's that's the stuff that I'll, I'll kick in some, a little bit of money to advertise. And then uh, the rest, I just kind of let it sit there hoping someone will find it, which uh, doesn't really work on Amazon because there's piles of uh, <laughs> stuff for people to choose from. So uh, if you like this, uh, tell someone to come check out, you know, Aaron's Horror Show and, and listen. Uh, also, if, if, if you like it and, and you have a friend that reads a lot of books on Kindle, maybe tell them to go ahead and check it out. The This story I'm about to read to you, Cal's Fall, is perma-free, so what that means is that it's always going to be free. They could, you could just go download it on Kindle at any time. Uh, so the first Terrestrial Cube Chronicle is free to try and get people into the series, of course. <laughs> After that, they got to pay. But uh, I kept them all a dollar, since they're all short stories. Uh, so it's actually one of the more cheaper things to get in of, of my writing. So if you if you like this, please tell a friend, leave a review. Helps independent authors out. Uh, tremendously. You don't know how much that helps uh, people out. But yeah, uh, without further ado, here is Cal's Fall. Why do I look different? Cal DeHock often asked her mother. Her mom would smile and say, You are blessed by the earth, mother. Cal never felt very blessed. Her bones had the strength of twigs compared to her earth brothers and sisters. She was a good length shorter, her torso thin. When the river swallowed the Tisek family home, the village came together to build them a new one. The young ones always did the heavy lifting of the stone and the wood, but Cal was believed to be too fragile, so she was left to weave rope for the roof with the elders. The worst thing was that her skin was the lightest shade of green to have ever been born. Most of her earth brothers and sisters had a vibrant green skin with blue hair, orange, or silver. Her skin was light green, her hair was black, she looked sick even though she'd felt fine. The oddest part was her eyes, the deepest blue like a crystal clear lake. None of the people of hers had blue eyes. In the woods, Cal would lift stones and logs. While she could not lift as much as her earth brothers and sisters, she could still do it without breaking her bones. The myth of her fragile bones came from various accidents in her youth. The children would use stone balls during sport. When the stone ball would bounce off the others, leaving minor bruising, some ball would shatter Cal's ribs. Her fragile nature made her feel like an outsider, always just stuck, watching the activities or being given lighter duties typically reserved for the elders. The villagers always treated her with respect, though. Even though she felt alone, she never felt unwelcome or unwanted. Everyone in the village looked out for one another, but Cal felt that she could not do her part and look out for them. Once, a cart smashed the leg of her brethren, Requiquet, and she could not lift it. By the time she found help, Weck had lost too much blood and joined the ancestors with Skyfather. 
No one blamed Cal or doubted her sincerity. They believe accidents were the will of the gods and not the blame of Cal's birth. Despite the comfort of her fellow villagers, Cal felt guilty. Her birth blessing was more of a curse. She would always be the weakest of the village. Cal also knew she was different beyond the limitations of her earthly form. Most of her earth brothers and sisters had fathers, but she did not. Her mom always told her that her father had died in the Turisticu invasion. Cal's father left the tribe to fight the war while Cal grew in her mother's womb. The Turisticus won the war but left Cal's village alone because they were interested in only Mother Earth's metal, and Cal's village had none. Despite having never met or seen a Turisticu, Cal imagined her father dying in a great battle and fighting to the last breath. She didn't tell her family about her visions of war. Violence was abhorred by the tribe and was only used as a last resort. Aside from Cal's fantasies, all that was left of her father was an insignia. A patch from his uniform, it featured a fierce bird swooping in, poised to attack, strange leathering in a language unfamiliar to the tribe. The Turisticus were feared and hated by all. Legend said that there were other tribes from the stars that had followed the Tristigu fleet to Cal's world to help fight the invading force. It wasn't until her 16th season and her first real encounter with a star species that she would come closer to finding out the fate of her father. Cal pushed hard against a giant felled tree. Most of her earth brothers and sisters could have easily pushed the tree but Cal pushed with all her might and the log barely budged. She wanted to push the log down a hill onto a pile of logs and rocks at the bottom she had collected from the woods. Cal planned to build a cabin by herself. She had collected a fair amount of building supplies and even snuck in a few tools from the commons. Cal liked her trips into the woods and no one seemed to notice she was missing. In the woods she was free to do as she liked and she was never asked to perform the tasks of the elderly. Cal started building the cabin as a way to display her strength to the tribe. But still, she sometimes thought about never returning. This day, however, her mind was on the log, knowing the cabin would never be finished if she couldn't get the materials down the hill. She had dragged the heavy tree trunk a long distance only to get it stuck in a rut near the top. She pushed, pulled, yanked, and even tried to dig out the log from the rut, but it was too heavy. The roller she used to pull the log along distances would not work in the rut. For heavy objects, the tribe would put the rollers on the ground and then push or pull the objects to their destination. For several people, the task was steady and always flowing. A few young would pull, and the elderly, or Cal, would dart back and forth, taking a roller from the back and putting it in the front. For a single person, it was slow going. Cal would push the log, move the rollers, push the log some more. It was slow, but she was determined, and now she was thwarted by a rut. You know, that's easier with two people, a voice said from behind. Cal nearly jumped out of her skin. He'd been alone in the forest every afternoon for almost three weeks and had never seen a soul. Behind her, to her shock, was a star species. The being was strange, with thin, twiggy arms and a small chest to match. 
It had tan skin, brown hair, and even Cal stood a good six inches taller than it. The bean was definitely one of the star species, but even so, Cal couldn't help herself. She reached out to touch the thing to make sure it was real. Okay, okay, the star bean laughed. I get it. You've never seen a human before. Human? The clunky word did not roll off her tongue. You mean star species? Right. The human looked down at a device on his arm. The translator doesn't have the word human. Call me Oliver. Oliver? Cal had trouble making the words. Ah, hell, just Sarge. The folks back in my service days used to call me Sarge. Sarge. Cal pointed to him and then pointed to herself. Cal. Thank God for small favors. A local is half a brain. You couldn't spare some of that jerky, could you? I'm mighty hungry, and I don't know what's good to eat or what will kill me on this planet. Cal looked at the jerky in her pouch. She almost never ate jerky anyway, even though her mom always insisted that she should bring it on her hikes. So she gave the entire amount to Sarge. The human was very grateful. He devoured the jerky, and a unique friendship was born. The next day, Cal brought food from the commons, and in exchange, Sarge offered help build the cabin. Over the next couple weeks, he traded labor for food. Sarge had all sorts of questions and seemed particularly interested in learning survival skills for her planet, especially what trees and herbs were good for mending wounds. She taught him how to live off the land, and in exchange, he told her about the universe. Sarge seemed to be obsessed with fair trade, a foreign concept to Cal, since no one in her village would ever let anyone go hungry. They shared their knowledge without the expectation of gain of something through trade. During the next few weeks of her friendship, Cal realized that Sarge did not have a home. She caught him sleeping in a nest under a tree like a wild animal. She resolved to give him the cabin when they were finished. They talked as they built. She taught him her words and he taught her his. The words she found most interesting were about space. The universe was bigger than she could imagine, with more stars in the sky than she could see. Around every star were planets. Most were without life. But there were also many worlds like Cal's. The universe was teeming with tribes. So many it would be impossible to meet them all. When she listened to Sarge speak, Cal felt like she understood her father for the very first time. Every other person in her village felt like they fit and had a home. Now she realized that her father was probably just like her and did not fit in either. He was the only person from her village to fight in the Touristic Wars, which she never really understood. But a fight in a war meant getting a chance to see the worlds and the tribes that she could see, then she could understand the allure. On the day the cabin was finished, Sarge began to pack his bags. Where are you going? Cal asked. You don't have any more work, so I think it's time to move on, Sarge said. Gotta go put food on the table somehow. You don't have a table. Don't rub it in, Sarge said as he started towards the woods. Cal chased after him. I bring you food because you are a being, an earth child like the rest of us, not for your work. Sarge laughed. His loud laugh was free and reverberated in the open air. Ho ho, is that how it is? Yes, this house is also yours because you are part of the tribe. I got nothing to trade for a house. I already have two homes. My home is in the village and this one. You have no home, so naturally, this house should be yours. 
I don't know how it works here, but where I come from, you pay your way, Sard said as he turned to the woods. But winter is coming. There'll be nothing to hunt, and you will not survive without shelter in the warmth of a home. Sarge turned back to Cal and lowered his bag from his shoulder. One night, a few weeks after they finished the cabin and he decided to stay, Sarge was cooking a kill over a flame like Cal had taught him. The leaves were beginning to turn outside. As the smoke billowed from the chimney, the smell of fresh banjer meat made Cal's mouth water as she entered. The cabin was a single room with a pitched roof to protect against the winter snowstorms. They made a bed small enough for a human, as well as a few chairs and a table. The cabin was sparse, but it was never intended for more than one person, unlike the multi-family homes of her village. Sarge looked back from basting the banjer with a tree sap mixture Cal had taught him and said, You're just in time for Sarge's homemade barbecue. Reminds me of home. Ain't nothing like Kansas City barbecue. Cal didn't remind him that the recipe was a village tradition and not from the Kansas City tribe. She was pretty sure that Sarge was homesick. So whenever he said something or tasted or smelled or whatever was like his home, she didn't argue. Sarge's fantasies about home made perfect sense to Cal. She often fantasized about being anywhere other than where she was. When Sarge set the table for dinner, Cal noticed blood stains on his shirt. When she looked closer, she could see a danyap leaf close to his chest. Danyap leaves were good for mending wounds because they stopped bleeding and had a numbing effect when in contact with skin. Did you hurt yourself? Cal inquired. Oh, that? Just a minor wound. I slipped when I was hunting the bander and fell onto a tree branch. Hit that sucker between the eyes, though. Not bad for my first solo bander hunt. Cal nodded in agreement and listened to the story of his hunt while they ate his world-famous Kansas City barbecue. After they finished their meal, Sarge rolled a smoking plant into a giant wrap he called a stogie. They sat on the porch listening to the faint chirping horn of the LaSalle bug. They would usually watch the stars, but tonight was different. Cal wanted to know about her father. A man as well-traveled as Sarge would surely know about the Turisticu Wars. Cal pulled her father's insignia from her belt. She had smuggled it from her home in the village earlier that day. I have something to show you, Cal said and produced the insignia. Sarge took the patch and looked it over. Cal could not read human expressions, but the patch seemed to strike Sarge in a peculiar way. Sarge bellowed with laughter. <laughs> Seems you got a genuine artifact on your hands, Sarge howled. It was my father's. Cal hadn't figured out if laughter was good or bad. Sarge laughed a lot, but sometimes it seemed like cover for dark memories. Other times, it was the enjoyment of life. <laughs> Don't that explain everything? It was your pops! <laughs> Sarge laughed. My mother said it was a part of his uniform. <laughs> of course it was! All this time I was wondering! <laughs> wondering what? About you! Y you know my father? <laughs> Not personally, but... But I can tell you where to find him. He's alive? Of course he's alive. You think they fight with sticks like the people of your village? My people do not fight. Well, shoot, no wonder you lost the war. What, what do you know of my father? Please tell me, I have to know. Listen up, kid, I'll tell you everything you need to know about your pop. But I need you to do one thing for me. What? Anything? 
Sarge rummaged through his house until he found a small black blinking stone. It was beautiful and terrifying at the same time. There was a light in the center that blinked deep red. It looked mysterious and magical. What is it? Cal couldn't take her eyes off the light. It almost looked as if the light was blinking back at her. It's how I stayed ahead, and now I'm giving it to you. It's very valuable, and it'll set up your village for a while. We have no need for money because I know, I know. I don't need no hokum fancy crap. You'll need money one of these days, and this is your ticket. Now listen up. You put this in your parents' house. Bury it under stones or something. Keep it safe. But you listen up. I don't want no arguments. Come back tomorrow, and I'll tell you all you need to know about your pop. Sarge dropped the stone into Cal's hand and closed her palm. The stone felt warm to the touch and had an unnatural heat. The slow blinking light transfixed Cal. Now run along home. But I don't have to be back until Sat Renek rises. Go home, get. Cal knew the Sarge was serious, so she went home early. She ran fast to the forest and her heart pounded. He was alive and she would finally know more about her father. Maybe. Sarge would even take cows to the stars to meet him. She never felt more alive in her life. She buzzed through the wildlife and the trees while she made her way home. Later that night, she hid the stone under the floorboards of the kitchen. She covered it with a pile of stones and masked the blinking light. When she knew it was safe and out of view, per Sarge's instructions, she climbed into the stairs into her bedroom. Luckily, no one had awoken while she secured the precious gift. The next morning, Cal heard the most terrifying noise she ever heard in her life. She got up and stumbled from her oak bed. Her room was small, barely big enough for her oversized bed, made smaller still by the mattress stuffed with soft beruga leaves. Even though she was much smaller than Earth brothers and sisters, villagers built her a normal-sized bed. She decorated the furniture with interesting rocks she'd found in the forest. A giant beast roared outside. The villagers ran around screaming. She heard them yell, Turisticu! Turisticu! Alright. That is the first, uh, cow. Actually, that's not the first cow. It's not over yet. There's some more coming, but, you know, ran out of time. Uh, like to keep these, you know, down to at least half an hour and... Once we edit in all the commercials and the, you know, beginning stuff, uh, <laughs> probably be around that time. So, you know, uh, check back next time for uh, more Touristicu Chronicles. Find out what the Touristicu are doing in Cal's Village. Maybe find out what happens to Sarge. Uh, <laughs> anyways, it's going to be a wild ride. Uh, you know, just so you know, this... this uh, story came to me in a dream. Uh, I'm not going to talk much about the dream now, because it's really the second story that was the contents of that dream. The first story is just trying to get to that point where I could write my dream down. So, anyways, yeah. So, if uh, you meet a star species, uh, be sure to build them a cabin. It worked for Cal. Have a good night.